Hello and welcome to another edition of Bill Allen's Facebook Bible Studies. We do this little Bible study on Tuesday and Thursday afternoons at 3 p.m. Central Time, also known as 3 p.m. Tyler, Texas Time. Glad to have you joining along. Looking forward to our study today. It is a uh, a great study, but it's a study about uh, a very human family. Uh, I like uh, the title that I put on this particular lesson, The Most Dysfunctional Family Ever. And perhaps you're thinking that that's you. I love a comment from one of my dear, dear friends at Woodland West Church in Arlington. We were there for 20 years until we moved to North Carolina in 2005 and then moved back here to Tyler in 2015. But one of our dear sisters, one of our dear, dear friends who had a great sense of humor and a quick wit in Arlington uh, said about her family, we put the fun in dysfunctional. <laughs> I love that. That is such a great statement. And I think all of us feel like our families do that at times. And that's probably good. Uh, but if you think your family is the most dysfunctional, it's not even close when you compare it to the family we'll talk about in this lesson. Speaking of family, I see my cousin Gail and Keith are joining in with us. Glad to see you all and all of those who are viewing, watching, whether you're live or whether you're later and whether you say hello or not. Either way, that's great. I'm so encouraged that uh, these uh, videos get watched and considered and glad to have you along for the ride. We are going through the book by F. Lagarde Smith. It is a Bible. It's a chronological Bible, and that's the title, The Bible in Chronological Order. And it is compiled by F. Lagarde Smith, a wonderful Church of Christ scholar and uh, author. And he has put this together with a limited number of helps that are very helpful. And, uh, and so I hope that uh, if you haven't had one of those, that you might consider getting one. And if you uh, have never read through the Bible in a year, I highly recommend uh, his study to help chart you through that. Any study will do. Uh, and so I'm glad that you're uh, doing that and glad that you're at least hearing the summary lessons of our week's reading. And today, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, not much, but just perhaps a day or two or three, because uh, we looked at the life of Abraham, the great man of faith, this past Tuesday. And so today, we're going to kind of focus in on his grandson, Jacob. Jacob's name would later be changed to Israel, and from which that nation gets its name. And it is really Jacob that gets the family and the nation really rolling in a big, big way. But a little bit of, of, of uh, getting us there, first of all. Remember Abraham's uh, wife's name was Sarah. And Abraham had a child, Ishmael, through, his, uh, through Sarah's servant, Hagar, when uh, Abraham and Sarah could not have children. And yet that was not the child of promise, but it was the firstborn son of Abraham. And then Abraham and Sarah had a child in the natural way. His name is Isaac, uh, and our grandson Isaac in Arlington is named after him. And that's a nice little story, too. Uh, but we, um, Abraham and Sarah have Isaac. Isaac is the son of promise. As we saw last time, God surprises and challenges Abraham to offer up his son of promise, uh, Isaac, whom he loved as a sacrifice, and Abraham was ready to do it, but God stopped him. And, um, and so we know from F. Lagarde Smith's comment, which I think is very perceptive, 
as well as the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, when it lists this act of Abraham, it says that he believed that God could raise his son from the dead. And in a sense, that's exactly what happened. Uh, but we find that his trust needed to be in God and not in that son of promise, Isaac, and uh, a great, great story. Isaac grows up and Abraham uh, arranges for his servant to go to his homeland and find uh, Sarah's brother Laban and bring him back uh, and uh, get him to uh, find, bring a wife for uh, Isaac. And that wife is uh, Rebecca, and that is Laban's uh, sister, and uh, and he is able to do that and send Rebecca back to Abraham uh, to uh, to be married to Abraham's son Isaac. Isaac and Rebecca don't have children for a while, as we saw on Tuesday, and then they have sons, Esau and Jacob. Esau the older, Jacob the younger, but it is Jacob who is the son of promise. And Rebecca, uh, when they were younger, Jacob and Esau are going back and forth, and Jacob uh, gets Esau to sell him his birthright, which is the right of the oldest. Uh, and uh, Esau despises that, as scripture says, and forfeits it to his brother. Later on, when it's close to the time of Isaac's death, he calls on Esau to come and receive the blessing of the firstborn. Uh, and so while he's out trying to kill an animal so that he can prepare it the way dad likes it, Rebecca, their mother, and Jacob, Esau's brother, uh, connive together and uh, go to have send uh, Jacob into Isaac to receive the blessing for Esau, uh, pretending to be his older his brother, his twin brother. But they don't look alike and they don't smell alike. Uh, they don't sound alike. And yet they are able to disguise him enough to where Isaac being blind as he was preparing to die, uh, real thinks that that's uh, Esau. And so he blesses him in a great way. And then when Esau comes in, he blesses him as well, but nowhere near the great blessing that he should have gotten as the firstborn. That goes to Jacob. Esau says, as soon as dad dies, I'm going to kill my brother. And so Rebekah sends Jacob back to her brothers, her homeland, back to Laban, uh, Jacob's uncle, and says, I want you to go and find uh, one of uh, one of your distant cousins there to be your wife and not one of the people that are here uh, in the land of the Canaanites. Uh, and so he does. And uh, as he's going, uh, he has all of these things that happen to him. And it's really, really quite uh, interesting and quite amazing. On his way in Genesis 28, uh, Jacob has a dream. He's uh, at this place, puts a rock under his head for a pillow, and he has this dream of a stairway or a ladder going up to heaven and the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And so you know that song, uh, We Are Climbing Jacob's Ladder. Perhaps you know it, uh, the old childhood song. And that's where that story comes from. And so Jacob says, this must truly be the house of God. And so he names that place house of God, Bethel, Bethel. And that becomes a very significant city in Bible history. Well, Jacob continues on his journey and he finds Laban and he first finds uh, Rachel, his daughter. And when he sees her, it is love at first sight. And then Rachel uh, goes back and goes to uh, Laban and Laban 
uh, sees uh, Jacob and hears about the wealth that uh, Abraham and Isaac and now Jacob have accumulated. And so he says, by all means, you can marry Rachel. Sure. Well, Rachel is the younger of Laban's two daughters, Leah and Rachel. And um, uh, Laban is not wanting to get uh, younger daughter married off before older daughter. And so uh, Jacob kind of gets a, test, a taste of his own medicine and all of the conniving that he did uh, to uh, get the blessing and the birthright from his brother Esau. Laban tricks Jacob. And I don't know how this all takes place, but uh, as they are uh, married, as they're celebrating the marriage, uh, uh, they're drinking and getting drunk and doing all of that. And so the wedding night, Jacob ends up sleeping with Leah instead of Rachel. And he gets up in the morning and there's Leah and he goes to Laban. He says, how come you double crossed me like this? And Laban says, well, it's not our custom to marry off the younger daughter before the older daughter. And so uh, I tell you what, you can have both. But see, here's the thing. Laban initially had told Jacob, you can have Rachel as your wife, but you've got to work for me seven years. And so Jacob does, and because he's so in love with Rachel, they don't, they just flow right by, fly right by. And then he realizes he's been double-crossed seven years later, and now it's Leah that he wakes up with. And Laban says, well, tell you what I'm going to do. I'll give you, make a deal with you. You can't pass it up. You go ahead and take Rachel as your wife as well, but also Leah. And you can work for me another seven years, but you can go ahead and take Rachel now. I know, I know. I told you, most dysfunctional family ever. And it's certainly panning out that way, and we're not even done yet. Uh, and so Jacob now has two wives, Leah and Rachel. And some say, well, Bill, I thought having more than one wife was against the will of God. It is. It is. But you see, what Scripture does, sometimes it just reports the story. It just gives the narration. It doesn't justify it. It doesn't condemn it. It just tells about it. And that's what happens with a lot of these stories in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Genesis. That's what we're seeing. That's what we've seen already uh, with Abraham and Hagar and Sarah. And now that's what we're seeing with Jacob. And so he's got Leah and he's got Rachel and Rachel is his favorite. Rachel is the one he loves. And remember, he'd already experienced that. His mother had favored him. His father had favored Esau. And now uh, Jacob favors Rachel, his wife, and God sees that. And because of that, God blesses Leah with the ability to conceive and have children, and Rachel cannot. And so Leah uh, has a, a child, Reuben. That's the oldest son of Jacob. And then three more sons, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. Uh, these are born to Jacob and Leah, his wife. A couple of things about that. Reuben, of course, is the firstborn. Levi is the son through whom the um, the priests would come. He is the, the Levitical tribe, we say. Levi is the son when we get down to Moses' time and God builds has him build a tabernacle. It's the Levites, the descendants of Jacob's son Levi, who will take care of that. And then later on, a descendant of Levi, whose name is Aaron, whose brother just happens to be Moses, uh, Aaron becomes the high priest. And so only descendants of Aaron could be priests, and the oldest descendant would be uh, the, uh, uh, the high priest. 
Well, that's Levi and then his brother Judah. Judah, the son, a fourth son of Abraham and Leah, uh, Abraham's fourth son. And Judah is significant because Judah is the ancestor of Jesus of Nazareth. Um, so that's where we started. <clears throat> and again, it's a bit dysfunctional on this end for sure. But a couple of reminders, a couple of lessons here that we see. Number one, God can use anybody, and he does. Boy, if he can use Jacob and his family, he can use anybody. And that's true. Again, your family is nowhere near as dysfunctional as this one is. And so we can kind of take that to heart and receive some encouragement, I think. Um, but the other thing is, is that even the ones that God uses, they're not sinless. They're not perfect. We saw it in Abraham. He lied to protect his wife and his life. Uh, Isaac, the same, uh, refused to trust God enough when he felt like his life was threatened, when someone perhaps would want his wife, Sarah, uh, for their own when they were traveling in a distant land. Um, and so now we have Jacob and we see all of this craziness that goes on and it's hard to keep up. But right now, Jacob has uh, Leah and Rachel as his wives. Leah has children, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. Well, when Rachel sees that she's not able to have children, she does exactly what Abraham and Sarah did. She said, well, maybe I'm meant to have children by you through my servant girl. So here, take my servant, Billa, and sure enough, Jacob does, and he has two sons, Dan and Nephtali, through her. Well, Leah has stopped bearing, and so she gets in on the act, and she says, here, Jacob, take my servant girl, Zilpah, and maybe that's how I'm supposed to have more children. And so uh, Gad and Asher are born to Jacob. After that, Leah has more children. God opens up her womb, as it says, and she has three more children, Issachar, Zebulun, and one daughter, Dinah, who becomes the only daughter of Jacob that's recorded in scripture. Finally, God has mercy upon Rachel and opens up her womb, and she is able to conceive and has a son by the name of Joseph. Later, she will have a son by the name of Benjamin. He will be the youngest of the bunch. And uh, when that happens, um, Rachel dies during childbirth. Uh, well, <laughs> talk about a crazy, mixed-up, dysfunctional family. This is it. And I want to ask the question, why would Jacob go through all of this? Why would he do all of this? And I don't know the answer to that. I, I don't know. Uh, but he does. And he has uh, all these children, 12 sons and one daughter, uh, through Leah and Rachel and through their servants. But Rachel is still his favorite. And because of that, Joseph becomes his favorite because he is the son of uh, his beloved Rachel. Uh, Benjamin is born to Rachel also, but we're not sure how old Joseph is at that time. I'm going to talk about Joseph next week, so let's not rush into that. Some of these readings you're going to be reading, you haven't read yet if you're on time. If you've read ahead a little bit, you have. But over the next few days, you're going to be reading. So I hope that as you read these chapters of Genesis that you perhaps remember this lesson and say, yeah, Bill said it was going to be a dysfunctional family, and boy, is it ever. Yes, it is. Well, ultimately, in Genesis chapter 31, 
Uh, God comes to Jacob while he's still away from his homeland. Remember, he's not around Isaac and Rebekah, his parents. He's still away, not around his brother Esau. He ran and fled away from him. Uh, he's up way northeast of where uh, what we would call Palestine is. And so he's there, and uh, then God sends him the word, it's time to go back. It's time to go back. So Jacob uh, arranges to leave his uh, uh, father-in-law Laban uh, and, and his uncle and go home uh, with his wives and his grandchildren and his property. And God has blessed him and made him a very wealthy man. And Laban has seen that. So they kind of go back and forth a little bit. And ultimately, um, Jacob is able to leave and they make a, they make a deal. Uh, Jacob tries to scoot away in the middle of the night because he doesn't want his father-in-law to try to stop him. But Laban does try to stop him and gets his group together and goes and gets him. And then they talk this over and ultimately agree to let Jacob go. Um, and they make a deal and they build a tower uh, to, dim to uh, arrange a memorial to arrange and to be reminded of that. And that is called Mizpah, M-I-Z-P-A-H. And that is in Genesis chapter 31. Mizpah means watchtower. Uh, and the statement that Laban makes is, may the Lord keep watch between us. Well, that's Mizpah, another significant town and another significant saying. Uh, in Genesis chapter 32, uh, Jacob is continuing to go back home. And he comes back to that place where he had his dream. And in Genesis chapter 32, he prays a prayer. He asks God to bless him, to spare his life when he goes and sees his brother. And he says, if you will just save me, if you'll just save my family, I'll follow you always. And interestingly enough, God accepts that promise and uh, will uh, renew the promise that he made to Abraham and to Isaac. Uh, that it would be through Jacob that all the descendants of the earth would be blessed and all uh, and Jacob and his descendants would be able to get the land that God had initially promised uh, to Abraham. In chapter 32 is also that interesting passage where uh, Jacob wakes up, he's asleep at night, and, and he has this vision, this interesting thing where he is uh, wrestling with God or wrestling with an angel of God. And as he does, he is a pretty good boxer, fighter, wrestler, and he is able to overcome. And the, uh, the angel touches him in the thigh and, and he is uh, injured. And so that becomes something that the Israelites maintain. And that is when Jacob's name is changed uh, to Israel. We also see it in chapter 35. But here in chapter 32, is he becomes Israel, which means wrestles with God and overcomes or something like that. And, uh, and so now in chapter 33, Jacob is beginning uh, to prepare to meet his brother Esau, and he is scared. Remember the last time he was there, Esau wanted to kill him. The last time he was there, he had betrayed uh, his uh, God and his honesty, his ethics, and he had deprived his brother of the blessing from his father Isaac. God knew all of that stuff would happen, and he knew that uh, Jacob would be the son of promise, and he had already uh, prophesied that when uh, their mother was pregnant with him, and she was about to deliver the twin boys, Esau and Jacob, that the younger, uh, the older, would serve 
the younger instead of the other way around. Well, in chapter 33, Jacob uh, meets uh, Esau, and as he's getting close to him, he begins to send all of the the kids and the families, the the sons of his the servant girls, the sons of Leah, the sons of of uh, of uh, Rachel, and as he's doing that, he he takes all of them and presents gifts to Esau, and Esau says, I, "I don't understand what what is all of this parade of stuff," and Jacob says, "I just wanted to find favor in your eyes," and Esau says, "No, no, I don't I don't need all of that. Keep it yourself." and and Jacob says something which is really amazing. Um, and he says, he says this, um, just let me find favor in, your, in the eyes of my Lord, he says. In verse 11 of Genesis 33, please accept the present that was brought to you for God has been gracious to me and I have all I need. And because Jacob insisted, Esau accepted it. And one of the things that Jacob says here is this in verse 10, uh, for to see your face is like seeing the face of God now that you have received me favorably. Interestingly enough, when he is wrestling with God in the chapter before, and, um, and he asks God or the angel of God there, what is your name? Uh, he says it is Peniel, which means the face of God. And so now Jacob, as he meets his brother Esau, tells him, seeing your face and the acceptance that you gave to me is like seeing the face of God, which is amazing because of the experience that he had just had uh, wrestling with some uh, demonstration of, of the angel of God or God. And it is quite the story, quite the story that Jacob as he goes back to his brother, as dysfunctional as this family is, he goes back to his brother, and when his brother accepts him, it means everything uh, to him. And what a great, great moment uh, that is. Uh, later on, their father Isaac would die, and Jacob and Esau bury their father together, just like a uh, Abraham's sons Ishmael and Isaac had buried him together. In that cave of Machpelah, that tomb that Abraham bought when his beloved wife Sarah died, and ultimately it is Abraham and Sarah that are buried there, along with Isaac and Rebekah, and interestingly enough, Jacob and Leah. Again, Rachel will die giving birth to their youngest son, Benjamin, and she'll be buried there, and that will be the area near where Jesus of Nazareth will be born. Uh, near Bethlehem. Lots of great, great stories. I hope as we've covered this crazy dysfunctional family today that you'll be watching for those these stories as you read in the few days ahead. Next week, we're going to be reading about the life of Joseph, one of Jacob's sons that was born to Rachel, that he becomes his favorite and all the great stories. The dysfunction continues between Joseph and his brothers, um, and that'll be some fun stories, ultimately ending up in Egypt and leading to the time when they needed a deliverer, and that deliverer would be a descendant of Levi, Aaron, and he would be Aaron's brother, and that deliverer, hundreds of years later, would be named Moses. But for now, let's get there.
Enjoy your reading. Looking forward to seeing you next week as we talk about the travails and the great sovereignty of God that is expressed and seen in the life of Joseph. God bless you, and I'll see you on Tuesday.